0: Good evening, everybody.
1: Good evening. All good.
0: Everybody's all right. Yep. That's good. I want to thank uh, Brother Gary for letting me uh, come and preach. Yes, we talked about this, I think, in December or November, sometime, long time ago. Uh, but I am uh, thrilled to be with y'all tonight. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you, Red Bud, for hosting us uh, this week. All these churches, I appreciate this invitation, and White Level appreciates your hospitality for the week. Uh, this is this type of Bible conference. This type of revival. I think it's a good time, it's a good idea uh, for our community because it allows each of us from all these different sister churches to get together and worship with each other and engage in fellowship and discipleship with each other. Uh, that type of event allows us to encourage each other as we continue to try to fulfill the Great Commission in this community and in the White Level community and in the Sandy Creek community and Nathaniel and the Cedar Rock community as yes, we all try to work together to get the Great Commission and the Great Commandment uh, out. Amen. 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 Thank you again for hosting us. If you got your Bible, let's go to Mark chapter ten. Mark chapter ten in your pew Bible. I will give you the page number. Let me find it real quick. If you need a page number in your pew Bible, Mark ten. This is page eight forty six in your pew Bible. Mark chapter ten. Read verses 17 through 22. When you found it, let's stand. To honor the reading of the word. And as he was sitting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, "Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life?" And Jesus said to him, "Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments: do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal." Do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him, and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Let's pray together. Tonight we are thankful for your word. It's inspired, it's inerrant, it's holy, it's faithful, it's true, and it has authority over our lives. Yes. And we pray tonight that you would use this text to speak into our hearts. Use this text to convict us of sin. Use this text to comfort us if we need to be comforted. Father, we pray this through the power of your Holy Ghost, and in the name of Jesus, amen. We need be saved. Tonight I want to talk to you for a few minutes about this question. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to follow Jesus? If somebody were to come up to you tonight and ask you, what does it mean that you follow Jesus? What would you say? What would be your response? How do you respond to that question? What does it mean to follow Jesus? This text that we've got here, I think, provides us some answers in Mark 10. This is some answers to that question. What does it mean to follow Jesus? From this text in Mark 10... We learned that following Jesus involves at least four responses. Following Jesus involves at least four responses from this text. Following Jesus means confessing His divinity. Amen. Following Jesus means loving your neighbor. Yep. Following Jesus means living by faith. Amen. Following Jesus means obeying His commands. Right. Means- I'm bringing you white level. I need oh, you. Right. I'm <laughs> stealing that passport. Following Jesus, confessing His divinity. We're going to talk about that one in just a second. We want to look at those responses individually. Let's start in verse 17. The text says, and as He was setting out on His journey. So that means Jesus is about to leave the place where He is and depart. So if you, if you, in the context of that chapter, if you flip back to verse 1, Jesus was in the region of Judea beyond the Jordan River. He's been there since verse 1. What's He been up to? Jesus has been in that region debating with the Pharisees about divorce. And he's been having the little children brought to him. And he's been picking up the little kids. And he's been blessing them. And now he's about to leave for Jerusalem for the last week of his life. He's about to leave. He's setting out on his journey. And notice what happens. A man ran up. That man is trying to catch Jesus before he departs for Jerusalem. This man is enthusiastic. This man is energetic. He's got a question that he has to pose to Jesus. He's got a question that needs an answer. This question is burning in his heart, heart, I assume. He runs up to Jesus, and notice what he does. He kneels down before Him. He knelt down before Him. He is enthusiastic, he is energetic, and he shows respect to Jesus. He kneels down in front of Him, a posture of worship, and he asks Him a question. Here's the question that's burning in his heart. Here's the question... He's so energetic and enthusiastic about. Here's the question that he's got to ask Jesus before he leaves for Jerusalem. You see this at press conferences all the time, maybe with the president or with LeBron James or some athlete. Right, the, the, this guy's going to walk out of the room and everybody starts, "Hey, yeah, hey, yeah, 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 answer my question! Answer my question!" Yeah. Maybe that's what's going on here. This guy runs up and people are yelling and hollering at Jesus. This guy runs up and gets in his way, though, and stops and kneels down. Says, "Wait, I got a question, Jesus. Here's the question." Look at verse 17, the rest of that. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to be saved? What do I got to do to go to heaven? Let's talk about this scene for a second. This man runs up and kneels down before Jesus. This man calls Jesus good teacher. He looks like a follower of Jesus. He talks like a follower of Jesus. He's energetic about Jesus. He's enthusiastic about Jesus. He's polite and he's respectful toward Jesus. But do his actions match what's in his heart? No. Many of us learned a long time ago that appearances can be deceiving. Amen. Church, this man's actions don't match his heart. We know what this man believes not by listening to what he says but by watching how he behaves. And you're going to see this man's heart revealed further into this text. The same principle applies to all of us in this room who claim to follow Jesus. We know what you believe, not by listening to what you say, but by watching how you behave. Do your actions match your heart? Is there a consistency in your walk with Jesus? Do your actions here at church, does what we see, the way you behave at church, at any of our collective churches, really match up with what's inside your heart? Like the man in the narrative, is what you do here at church only for show? You know how to dress up and look nice and talk nice. You look the part, you talk the part. But are you following Jesus? If you're following Jesus, there'll be a consistency between what you say and what's in your heart. Let's look at verse 18. Here we get the answer to the question that was burning in this man's heart. Here in verse 18, we learn that following Jesus means confessing His divinity. Look at verse 18. And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. That's classic Jesus. Jesus. This guy runs up and asks Jesus a question. What Jesus respond with? A question. That's a good professor too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my kind of guy. Classic Jesus. They ask him a question, he asks them a question in return. And his statement is classic Judaism. No one is good except God alone. If you know your Bible, then you know First and Second Chronicles teach that God is good. Only God is good. If you read Ezra, if you read the Psalms, you know that those books teach that God alone is good. What's the point? The point is, the man should not call Jesus good unless he's prepared to call Jesus God. Amen. Throughout Mark, Jesus has shown us, his readers, that he is God. In Mark 2, Jesus says to the paralytic that they just ripped a hole in the roof and lowered down in his face. What does he say to him? He doesn't say, get up and walk. At first, what does he say? Son, your sins are forgiven. Yeah. And the religious leaders say, no, 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 you can't say that. Only God can say that. And Jesus no. says, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Only God can say that. Yeah. Your sins are forgiven. In Mark 4, he says to the the storm on the sea, Stop it. And it listens. Nobody's done that since Genesis 1, when God did it. In Mark 6, he walks on water. Only God can do that. In Mark chapter 1, the demons confess that Jesus is the Holy One of God. In Mark 3, the demons cry out that Jesus is the Son of God. In Mark 5, legion confesses that Jesus is the Son of the Most High God. At His baptism in Mark 1, there's a voice that says what? You are my beloved Son, with you I'm well pleased. In Mark 9, at Jesus' transfiguration, there's the voice from heaven again. You are my beloved Son, with you I'm well pleased. Listen to Him, is what the text says in Mark 9. In the Gospel of John, Jesus explains to us that I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen. The question of Jesus in verse 18 is a question that each of us in this room needs to answer. Why do you call Jesus good? Do you believe that He's God? Don't call Him good unless you're prepared to call Him God. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? Following Jesus means you confess His divinity. Second, following Jesus means loving your neighbor. Loving your neighbor. Look at verse 19. Jesus tells the boy, the man. We don't know if he's a boy or not. He just says a man. I think Luke calls him a young man. Verse 19. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Jesus says, you know the commandments. And if you read this narrative in Matthew's account, the, young, the, the man responds. Which ones? Be specific, Jesus. So Jesus tells him, that list. That's commandments if you know your commandments. That's commandments 5 through 10. Amen. That's the back end of the commandments. From Exodus 20, verses 12 through 16. From Deuteronomy 5, verses 16 through 20. Now if you remember how the commandments are structured, your 10 commandments are structured. The first four commandments deal with you and God. The first four commandments deal with you and your relationship with God. The next six commandments deal with you and everybody else, you and your relationship with other people, you and your neighbor. Church, following Jesus means loving your neighbor. Amen. That notion of loving your neighbor, by the way, shows up about 12 times in the New Testament. We just read it in First John. Now you might ask, but what if they don't sound like me? What if they're from up north and we're from down south? I'm white, and they're black, or they're Hispanic. What if they don't vote like me? I'm a Republican, and they're a Democrat. What if they don't believe the same things as me? I'm a Christian, and they're a Muslim. There's no buts. Amen. The Bible says, love your neighbor. They will know we are his disciples if we love one another. Following Jesus means loving your neighbor. Why do we love him? Why? God said so. We love our neighbor because God says so. We love our neighbor because Jesus first loved us and gave himself for us. We love our neighbor because that's what Jesus did for us. Jesus is our neighbor who who laid down his life for us. You see that principle in Jesus' life. He loved us enough to lay down his life for us. He's our neighbor. And in response to the love he has for us, we love others. We love our neighbor because Jesus loved us first. We love our neighbor because... Our neighbor is made in the image of God. And Jesus died for your neighbor. It doesn't matter their skin tone. It doesn't matter their accent. It doesn't matter their religion. It doesn't matter their politics. Red and... We used to sing this as a kid. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in His sight. We sing it as kids, but we become adults. Nah. Only we are precious in His sight.
1: What
0: happened? What does it mean to follow Jesus? Following Jesus means confessing His divinity. Following Jesus means loving your neighbor. Third, following Jesus means living by faith. Look, at verse twenty. The young man replies back. He said to him, "Teacher, now I'll talk about that in a second. Teacher, all these I've kept from my youth." Let's talk about that for a second. The man replies, "Teacher." Notice what he's dropped. He dropped the good. He's made a decision about Jesus' identity. And he says to Jesus, Teacher, all these I've kept for my youth, I've kept these since I was a boy. I've done all that forever. He's trying to justify himself to Jesus. Like this man, we sometimes make up our own list to justify ourselves in the sight of Jesus. We say, Jesus, I go to worship on Sunday Hmm. and even Wednesday nights. Prayer meeting, Bible study. It's been said you want to know what the church thinks about your uh, preacher, show up on Sunday. you want to know what the church thinks about Jesus, show up on Wednesday
1: night.
0: (laughs) You can tell Jesus, I go up to worship. I worship at the church. I go to Sunday school. I pay my tithe, even though I don't want to, even though it's not 10%. I pay my tithe, Jesus. I volunteer in the nursery. I go on mission trips. Like I said, we learned a long time ago, appearances can be deceiving. Amen. Notice what Jesus says in response to this man. Look at verse 21. He looks at him, he loves him, and says, you lack one thing. What? What's, what, what's he lack? What's he missing? What does he lack? You're going to find out. Then Jesus says, go, sell all you have, and give it to the poor. Go sell it off, and give it all away. And in return, you'll have treasure in heaven. And then Jesus says to him, come, follow me. Jesus tells the man, go sell all you got, give it away, and then come back and follow me. Follow me. Circle that, star that, underline that. Highlight that thing. Follow me. Follow me. That's the same words Jesus used with Peter and Andrew and James and John in Mark (laughs) chapter 1. Follow me. That's the same thing he told Matthew, the tax collector, in Mark chapter 2. Follow me. It means come
1: and live
0: with Jesus and act like Jesus. Take on the manner of Jesus' life. Following Jesus means that this man is going to have to leave behind his possessions. He's going to have to leave behind his riches. He's going to have to leave behind his money. He's going to have to leave behind everything that he relies on to keep him comfortable and safe in life. It means he's going to have to live by faith alone in Christ alone. In Mark, faith is defined as complete trust in Jesus. And faith in Mark stands in complete contrast to fear. Throughout Mark, you're going to see examples of fear versus faith. In Mark chapter 4, the disciples are afraid of the raging storm. And Jesus gets up and says, have y'all still no faith? I'm in the boat with you. What's the problem? In Mark 5, Jairus is afraid for his sick little daughter. And Jesus tells him, don't fear, only believe. In the same chapter, the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years, she's afraid and she cowers when Jesus asks, who touched me? And when she comes forward, when she expresses her faith, Jesus says, go, your faith has made you well. Faith is complete trust in Jesus. And faith eliminates fear. The rich man in our story tonight has complete trust in himself. He's got complete trust in his riches, and he's afraid to leave it all behind and come follow Jesus. He lacks one thing. What does he lack? He lacks complete trust in Jesus. He lacks faith in Amen. Jesus. Many of you in this room might have the same fear tonight. You think, what if I follow Jesus and he asked me to sell all I have and give it to the poor?
1: Mm. He might. Mm.
0: He might. What if I follow Jesus and he asks me to leave Franklin County? To leave Franklin County and go on the mission field in Argentina or Uganda or India. You might?
1: Yeah.
0: Too many of us in the churches love the comfort and safety of home. You love the comfort and safety of your bank account and you love the comfort and safety of your life in Franklin County. and you need to remember that when Jesus calls you, He has called you to love him first and yeah. foremost. He's called you to live by faith in Him alone. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? We're learning. Following Jesus means you confess His divinity. Following Jesus means you love your neighbor. Following Jesus means you live by faith. Amen. Finally, following Jesus means obeying Jesus' commands. Look at verse 22. Disheartened by the saying, He went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. The man who had originally run up to Jesus with so much enthusiasm, so much energy, now walks away from Jesus, deflated and disheartened. Church, that's one of the saddest scenes in the Gospels. That's one of the saddest scenes in the Bible. This man walks away from Jesus. That's the only character, by the way, in the Gospel of Mark who's called to discipleship and who says no. The only one who walks away from Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. Why does he walk away sorrowful? He's disheartened. He went away sorrowful. Why? Because he's got great possessions. Church, he may have had great possessions, but he didn't have the greatest possession of all. Jesus. He lacked one thing. A relationship with Jesus. The rich man walks away from Jesus disheartened, walks away sorrowful, walks away afraid. He thinks in his mind, I can't live without my stuff. I can't survive without my stuff. With all this stuff I got, all this possessions I got. What he should be thinking is, I can't live without this Savior. Amen. Right? Too many of us in the church talk a good talk, put on a good show. We all know the right Christian things to say and do. Yeah. When it comes to putting on the show, when it comes down to listening to what Jesus says, too many of us, like this rich man, we just ignore what Jesus says. Following Jesus means obeying his commands. If you follow Jesus tonight, that means you'll go where Jesus says go, you'll do what Jesus says do. Amen. Are we baptize Anybody at white level, that's what I ask them in the, in the baptistry. Will you go where Jesus says go? Will you do what Jesus says do? If they say yes, I'll baptize you. <laughs> if you say no, then get out. We ain't baptizing need, need more time.
1: Take it over a little bit more.
0: If Jesus says to you, sell all you have and give it away, will you do it? If Jesus says to you, go share the gospel with your co-worker, will you do it? If Jesus says to you, go sell some of your possessions so that you can have extra money to adopt an orphan, will you do it? Or like the rich man in the text, will you walk away from Jesus disheartened and sorry? Tonight, Jesus may not be calling you to give up your money, but He might be calling you to give up your job for Him. He might be calling you to give up your lifestyle for Him. He might be calling you to give up some personal sin for Him. He might be calling you to give up your, some relationship you have for Him. Whatever you put in front of Him, He might be calling you to get that out of the way for Him. Following Jesus is costly. Following Jesus requires sacrifice. Following Jesus requires obedience. As Christians, Jesus has called us to follow Him. Jesus has called us to obedience. He said, follow me. That means you should live like Jesus. You should act like Jesus. Hmm. That means He has first place in your heart. Jesus didn't say, hey, when you got time, come follow me. Hmm. He didn't say, hey, when you got a minute or two free, follow me. He didn't say, hey, when it's convenient for you, follow me. He didn't say, when you've got all your life together, then come back and follow me. He didn't say, hey, when you get done with all your vacations this summer, then come back and follow me. No. Jesus said what? Yeah. Follow me. That means Jesus should have the central place in your heart and in your life. He should be seated on the throne of your heart. Mm-hmm. If you're a Christian, then following Jesus means all of your life should revolve around Jesus. That's right. Jesus Amen. is in the center and everything else is in the margins. That's right. Jesus shouldn't be in the margins too many times we put Him there. He shouldn't be something you get to in between the baseball practices and the softball tournaments and the family vacations and the dance recitals. All that we put in the middle and then work in Jesus a little bit on the sides. Flip it. Jesus needs to be in the middle and you work in all that other junk around Him. Following Jesus means confessing His divinity. Following Jesus means loving your neighbor. Following Jesus means living by faith. Following Jesus means obeying His command. You might be thinking a lot. Man, a lot? That's a lot.
1: And you know what? You're right. That's a lot. A Following Jesus is a big, a big deal.
0: Following Jesus is not easy. Follow. He never said it would be. That's
1: right.
0: Amen. Following Jesus demands sacrifice. Following Jesus demands obedience. In our text... Tonight, Did you notice the pride of the young man in that narrative? He said, Jesus, all these I have kept from my youth. He says, I have kept. And if I'd have been there, I might have had to start laughing. Yeah. And yeah, he might have kept the commandments related to his neighbor, commandments 5 through 10. But he ain't kept the first commandment. The first commandment says, you shall have no other gods except me. The rich man in our text has a God, and it's called money. His possessions were his God. His possessions ruled his life. His possessions sat on the throne of his heart. Tonight, as you sit here thinking about your own life, what sits on the throne of your heart? If it's anything other than Jesus, you're not following Jesus. In our text tonight, did you notice what else the rich man said? He said, what must I do? What must I do to inherit eternal life? As if there was something he could do. He may have inherited his money. And so we asked Jesus, what can I do to inherit eternal life? So maybe he's thinking along those lines. Maybe that kind of thinking came natural to him. But let me remind you, there's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. Amen. There's nothing you can do. To merit salvation. You can only be saved by putting faith in what Jesus did for you. Have you done that? If not, I want to invite you to do so when we sing here in just a second. As we sing this closing song, if you want to repent of your sin, you want to put your faith in Jesus, this altar will be open. I'm happy to pray with you. Brother Gary's happy to pray with you. Plenty of preachers in this room that'll pray with you if you want to get saved. If you're here tonight and you're not sure, If you follow Jesus, then let's settle that thing now before you leave this sanctuary. If anything other than Jesus is seated on the throne of your heart, then I want to invite you to come to this altar and confess that sin and ask Jesus to take the rightful place on the throne in your heart. Maybe some of us in this room, maybe we need to recommit to loving our neighbor tonight. Maybe some of us in this room need to recommit to living by faith alone in Christ alone tonight. Maybe some of us in this room need to recommit to obeying what Jesus has said tonight. During our time of invitation, if you sense the Holy Spirit moving in your heart, if I can help you
1: in any way, I'll be here as we sing. Let's pray together.